He's a trigger warning waiting to happen. This is the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Don't do drugs. That's how I'll start things off today. Because what I'm about to say is totally counter to that. It's so nice outside compared to how cold it's been that all I want to do is drink beer and smoke cigarettes. If you're a child out there listening, don't do either of those things. Wait till you're 21 to drink. Never pick up a cigarette. But I wish that I was chain smoking and binge drinking right now. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Back in college, we lived at this place we called the law firm. It was falling down around us. But the nice part about it is we had a porch. And on a day like this, where it's unseasonably warm after it's been incredibly cold, we would just drink all day long. And I miss it. Now, my wife would probably disagree. She probably likes the fact that I have to go to work and I can't pass out on the deck. But I guess we're never going to see eye to eye on that one. I wrote a blog. I was told I had to. I was told if I didn't, Braden and Devin would keep me in check. Brian's trying to make sure I do them. Joe's trying to make sure I do them. I walked in today and Tom was like, hey, did you write a blog? I did. But it got me in trouble. This is what you get for doing your job. I write the blog and I get in trouble. Here's what I wrote. Because I got to give you context. Here it is. Award winning, by the way. This thing. Pulitzer worthy. Quality. This is why we're up 300%. And we're only going to shoot for higher. We're actually probably up around 325 right now. Here it is. Here is my blog. The Pittsburgh Steelers can't forget the elephant in the room. And that's okay. In an interview with the Monday morning quarterback's Greg Bishop, Steelers safety Mike Mitchell said, We're going to play the Patriots again. We can play them in hell. We can play them in Haiti. We can play them in New England. We're going to win. End quote. Many Yinzers have admonished Mike Mitchell for his comments, suggesting that the Steelers' safety is taking his eye off the ball. These must be the same people who ripped Mike Tomlin for addressing the elephant in the room prior to the New England Patriots game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. In fact, it was before that, the November 26th game against the Green Bay Packers. The elephant, of course, being the Patriots. Did the Steelers take their collective eyes off the ball when they beat the Packers, Bengals, and Ravens leading up to their matchup with New England? No. If anything, it helped galvanize the club. Why should this time be any different? Mike Tomlin candidly expressed confidence when he spoke to Tony Dungy, and Mike Mitchell did the same thing when speaking with Greg Bishop. It's not a lack of focus. It's a surplus of confidence. It's swagger. Swagger that will be on display against the Jags and, yeah, Next week against the Patriots, Steelers 24, Jaguars 13, see in Haiti. So that's what I wrote, and that's positive for Mike Mitchell. Everyone else has ripped Mike Mitchell and said, look, Mike, you can't be looking ahead to New England. I said, do it. It's ballsy. It's confident. It means you think you're going to beat Jacksonville. It means you think you're going to the Super Bowl. But Mike Mitchell took me to task on Twitter. Yes, that's right. Mike Mitchell, the Steelers' safety. Nice. No. I write a blog, I get in trouble. I write a blog, I get yelled at. He's going to concuss me. Be crossing the street, I'm going to get a shoulder in the back of the head. 
Mike Mitchell tweeted, The quote all you guys are talking about is pulled from an interview done a month ago about Ryan Shazier. Media shouldn't pull out one sentence out of a two-day interview a month later and make it a story. Here's the deal, Mike. You said it! It doesn't matter how long the interview is. It doesn't matter if you talk for 45 minutes, a day, a month, a year. It doesn't matter if you sit there and you talk your butt off for the next four years. If it comes out of your mouth, you said it. That's reportable. But guess what, man? Don't blame me. Don't blame the other people who wrote stuff off of this Sports Illustrated piece. Blame Sports Illustrated if you're upset that they put an interview out a month after you did it. You can rip the media if you want to, but rip the right media. Because Sports Illustrated released that story two days ago. Two. So, for everyone else who read it, the context is, you just said it this week. Okay, buddy? Athletes think we don't know what we're talking about when we talk about their sport. But they don't understand our industry either. This is why athletes try not to be interesting. This is why you get Ben Roethlisberger up at the podium and he'll throw cliche after cliche. This is why Tom Brady never says anything. This is why Bill Belichick never says anything. This is why Sidney Crosby never says anything. Because the more interesting you are, the more interesting things come out of your mouth. And the more interesting things come out of your mouth, the more the media is going to pick it up and run with it. Because not enough people within sports are interesting. I like Mike Mitchell. I think he's good. And I think he's a good talker. And sometimes that happens to be at his detriment, but hey, I'd rather have the interesting guys than the non-interesting guys. But he doesn't get the industry. And I'm going to have to set him straight a little bit. The reality is, if you say something on the record, it's reportable. And by saying it back then... It does not change the meaning of what he said. It means he's not specifically looking past the Jaguars this week, but how many teams did he look past whenever he was answering the question in the first place? I don't got a problem with what he said at all. In fact, I'll applaud him. I like it. I think it shows gusto. I think it shows confidence. I think it shows balls. I think it takes guts. But don't backtrack on it, man. Don't be that guy. Don't use the excuse that it was a long-form interview and they just picked and chose one quote to use for a story. Bro, if you said it, it can be used for a story. That's why you agree to the interview. But you know what bothers me above anything else? is the number of people today that came at me and said, fake news, fake news, fake news, fake news. We've got a problem in this country right now where people just do not trust the media at all. And it doesn't matter if people trust me. I'm not here to gain your trust. I'm here to get you to listen so we can all have fun together. But in the real world, you better pay attention to broadcasters. You better pay attention to journalists, because they've got your best interest at heart. 
The media's job is not to be intellectually dishonest. In politics, it's supposed to help you make an informed decision. In sports, it's to inform. Opinion pieces or columns, they're just that. They're opinion. Enough with the fake news stuff. I wonder where that comes from. Oh, yeah, the most powerful man in the world. I got so many tweets today. Chris tweets. People that want problems are going to find them. Everyone else is in line behind you. Hashtag here we go. Hashtag no voice Monday. Hey, Chris, he said it. Edward tweets. Mike, people want drama, and most of these so-called men are their feelings more than women. Ignore these idiots. I do. Nothing we say will convince them of the truth. Edward's a smart guy. Not. He doesn't use punctuation. He thinks women are inferior to men. And he doesn't understand what's going on here. He said it, Edward. Doesn't matter when he said it. Patrick tweets, never trust the media. Tyler tweets, media equals trash. Christopher says, but Mike, that would require doing research and critical thinking. Chris, he said it, and the story came out two freaking days ago. Two days ago! When a story comes out, and media runs with the story, they can only do so when it comes out. I could not have written a column or a blog on that piece until I saw the quotes. I wasn't sitting there. Why don't you try some critical thinking, Christopher? Braden tweets, can't trust the media, man. They twist to suit their needs. That can be true. But I had Mike Mitchell's back here. I like the fact that he spoke up. I like the fact that he says, we ain't afraid of these New England Patriots. I like the fact that he's got swag and confidence and balls and gusto. What I don't like is that he claps back as if because he said this in a 60-minute interview, it doesn't matter. He probably forgot that he said it and then got blindsided by all this. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Mike DiRocco covers the Jacksonville Jags. He'll join us coming up at 420 in about 10 minutes here. He works for ESPN. Mr. Anderson, first up today on the Crowley Show. What's up, Mr. Anderson? Hey, how's it going? Good, dude. Hey, uh, I, I have to agree with the tweeters this time. Y'all manufactured this together. It's, he didn't. He didn't say this yesterday. He said it about a month ago. And just because somebody rehashed an old story, and then someone wants to write a blog about it today, y'all most definitely try to put the fact out, thinking that he's overlooking New England when that's not the case. If he said it a month ago. Well, first so of all, that's first matter. of all, Mr. Anderson. That's not what I said. Second of all, this is where the nuance is being lost on all these Twitter people that you're agreeing with here. He might have said it a month ago, but right. Sports Illustrated wrote the story and published it two days ago. But that, okay, so that so someone says them a year ago, and you and they write it now. Does that make it relevant? Mike Mitchell knew in this interview that the story was not going to be written immediately. He knew that it was going to be a collaborative effort and that there were going to be many quotes in this thing. It was a long-form piece. He doesn't like... He doesn't. He, he's mad, Mr. Anderson, because he forgot that he said it. 
But, but I'm saying he said it at the time when, when we all were talking about we're not afraid of New England. And for somebody to bring it up now, trying to make it seem like he's overlooking them the week before, is, is disingenuous. And I think you know that. Because at the time, we were all talking about we're not afraid of New England. And for them to try to bring it up now to try to make it seem like he's, he's not overlooking New England. And that's the, that's the thing you're trying to get. It's okay for you to be upset and, and looking at New England when he's not doing that because you, he was doing that a month ago. You know that I didn't say that, though, right? I'm, right. I know you didn't say that, but I'm saying the media put that out there to try to make it seem like he's overlooked because that's the first thing ESPN and you said from this morning that it's okay if he's, if he's looking at New England. No, it, he was looking at New England a month ago. Okay, but New England wasn't on the schedule, and thanks for the call a month ago either. That's not the case. Just because he's not overlooking them this week doesn't mean he wasn't overlooking them then. And how is it really different overlooking the teams then as opposed to now? To me, it's not. Now, again, I don't look at it as overlooking. I look at it as being confident. That's never what I said, which is why this is so frustrating to me that he singles me out as if I'm the guy who's making a bigger story out of this than it is. I'm not. Whether or not he said it a month ago or today doesn't change the fact that it was a confident statement. Whether he said it a year ago or today doesn't change the fact that he believes, like the team believes, that they're good enough to beat Jacksonville and to beat New England. It doesn't change the meaning to me. And to other people who have twisted it the other way, I'd understand why Mike Mitchell wants to get fed up about it. I understand why Mike Mitchell's a little upset. But at the same time, he still said it. Whoever they were about to play, whoever they were going to play, he was overlooking in those people's minds. Point being, there are a lot of sheep out there, man. A lot of freaking sheep. An athlete tweets something, and all of a sudden he's right because you got to kiss the athlete's ass. I like Mike Mitchell. I'm, I don't want this to be about me disliking Mike Mitchell, because that's not the case. I like Mike Mitchell. I think he's a good speaker. I think he's intelligent. I think that he gets to some of the harder issues in the National Football League. But to me, it's a weak cop-out when I'm saying that he's confident. And he says, well, I said that a month ago. Doesn't mean you weren't confident then, man. Doesn't make the statement any less about you being confident. Up next, Mike DiRocco from ESPN, beat writer for the Jacksonville Jags. He's good. Don't miss it. More on <laughs> Mike Mitchell at 440. It's the Crowley Show. Oh, some of you people are so freaking stupid. Keith gets it. He says, your fake news idiots obviously do not understand the relevance and necessity for the fourth estate, assuming they know what that is. Again, I'm a sports guy. I don't care if people respect me. I don't care if people use me as their number one news source. I'm here to entertain. We have fun. We don't take things too seriously on this show. I do sports. But it is dangerous in the real world for the default to be hashtag fake news. It's dangerous, and there's been a lot of that nonsense today. Braden tweets at underscore Adam Crowley, Hey man, you don't have to write any more blogs. I won't keep you accountable on those, especially if it's a bleep storm when you do them. 
but you still need to get your belly button pierced. Hashtag yikes. I like it this way. This is what it's all about. This is why I'm supposed to do the blogs. To create said firestorm. Although I didn't really think it would be like this. I did think Mitchell would write back, though. That's why I tagged him in it. I thought, Mitchell will blow this thing up. But I thought he'd be like, this guy gets it. He's got my back. He knows I'm just confident. No, 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 no. Yoey tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Not that Yoey. Calm your bleeps on the Mike Mitchell issue. Nobody is going to be happy. He still said it is not a good argument. It is in this instance, though. Because what he said is what I'm commenting on. Not the timing of it. And again, for all you people who don't understand the industry, and apparently there's a lot of you out there, the story was published two days ago. SI didn't run the story till two days ago, which makes it relevant. We'll punt on this until 4.40. You got to hear some audio I got for you at 4.40. I went on a morning show today, and it's an all-African-American morning show, and they're very public about that. Like They write it on all their stuff. The email was very public. So I went, and I was like, I got to be real cool, because these guys came on. They got so much soul, man. They were awesome. And I come in, and I've made a terrible joke. So we'll get to that coming up at 4.40, and I'll continue on this Mike Mitchell stuff and bash all y'all. But first, Mike DiRocco from ESPN. He covers the Jacksonville Jags. Mike, uh, thanks so much for taking the time today. Jalen Ramsey's pretty freaking good, yes? Mike, let's start off with Jalen Ramsey, who's quickly becoming one of my favorite players in the National Football League. What are his best attributes as a defender, and what makes him tick off the field? Because he sounds like he's got a little bit of swag there as well. Uh, Yeah, a little bit of swag is probably not the right phrase. How about a boatload of swag? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, you combine the physical skills with the the length and, and, you know, his uh, ball skills and his height and his speed um, and his ability to be physical with the receiver with, you know, a really, really intense work ethic that, you know, I've had several players tell me that they haven't seen a guy that young come in and be as dedicated to his craft as Ramsey is. You know, that involves extra film work, studying receivers. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that it's not just run out there on Sunday and, and, and it's all done. He studies like a 10-year vet, you know, is what I've been told. And, and that's, you know, that's really what enables him to have the attitude and be the kind of trash talker that he is, is because he feels like he's so well prepared that, you know, he can get away with that kind of stuff. And look, every week he gets the number one guy, so I'd expect him to be on Antonio Brown this week, um, you know, and they'll go at it like they did the last time. And I think the first play in October, I think uh, Antonio Brown had a 49-yard catch. On Jalen Ramsey, I think, if I remember correctly, the first play yeah. of the game. And then, um, you know, and he ended up with over 100 yards of receiving. So he had a pretty good day that day. Now, I know part of that was partly because the, the Jags were ahead. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, Ramsey is looking forward to the, the challenge again. Yeah, that's interesting because the Steelers are obviously looking at this as a challenge because of the way that Jacksonville overall handled Pittsburgh the first time around. But if Jalen Ramsey's looking at this as a challenge because of the way Antonio Brown played the first time around, that's interesting to me. He was able to get under the skin of A.J. Green, who is as mild-mannered a guy as there is in this league, uh, which does tell me that he's able to get under the skin. He fascinates me, but it's not just him. Uh, That entire secondary seems to play pretty, not dirty, but they, they seem to have this... This air of arrogance, maybe, about them. 
Yeah, you know, we called them, uh, when I did a story on them not too long ago, the mouths of the AFC South. I mean, they will yap. And if you, if you are not able to tune that stuff out, it's going to impact you. And, and the bottom line is, is to Sean Gibson, the safety was telling me, like, look, we're going to talk. That's what we do. That's who we are. He and Jalen are the big talkers. Church and A.J. Boyer are probably not so much, but they're going to yap. And the thing is, if you're paying attention to that or you're preparing to deal with that, um, then that's time you're taken away from preparing for the game plan. So they kind of look at it as a little bit of a preemptive strike, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're not prepared to deal with that, it can be a little bit, um, you know, unnerving. And, and Gibson, you know, played in Cleveland for several years, and he said he saw A.J. Green every two times a year every year. And it never phased A.J. Green until Jalen got a hold of him this year. So he goes, that tells you right there how intense and how um, crazy Jalen is as a trash talker. So it's uh, it's part of who they are, and, you know, the coaching staff has been real good about letting them be who they are, um, and, they, and the players really enjoy that. So that's kind of been their uh, identity so far, for sure. Michael DiRocco covers the Jags for ESPN's NFL Nation, joining me here on the Crowley Show what do you think is a better aspect of that defense for Jacksonville, the secondary or that defensive front where they've put up 55 sacks this year? Wow. Uh, they're both pretty good. Um, you know, Jalen Ramsey is probably one of three or four best cover corners in the NFL, and A.J. Boyer may be as good. Um, so I think from that standpoint, that's probably the best cornerback duo in the league, and that's really, really um, important, obviously, but even you can't cover guys for five, six, seven seconds. So, you know, it goes hand-in-hand hand with that pass rush. Um, you know, what Calais Campbell's been able to do in his first year outside as a defensive end has been phenomenal. And, you know, Unique and Gakwe is probably the best pass rusher in the league that nobody knows about. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard for me to say which one is more important than the other, but you know, from just the, the physical ability, that secondary is tough to beat. Um, but again, like I said, you got to have that pass rush to kind of help it out. It looks like if they, and by statistics, that maybe their only chink in the armor is that they've given up some in the running game. What's been the issue there if there has been an issue? Well, they were worse before Marcel Darius got here. Um, and what the biggest issue was is those guys were getting out of position because they were trying to make all the plays themselves. And, you know, it goes back to the old do-your-job thing. Um, You know, this defense really started out on fire with that 10-sack performance against Houston in the season opener, and they started to realize, hey, we're really pretty good. And then they kind of got ahead of themselves a little bit, and guys started getting out of position um, and trying to make plays that they they weren't supposed to make, and that opened up a lot of cutback lanes. Um, it's not a defense that misses a lot of tackles. So that's, that's a plus from the years past. So it's more guys being out of position. Darius helps too because once he got here, you know, he's a big nose tackle that can kind of plug up that middle there and let the linebackers flow. Um, and against a guy like Le'Veon Bell, you have to be disciplined because that guy is unbelievable at, at finding a spot that didn't even seem to be there. So you have to be really disciplined and gap with your gaps and, and stay in the spot you're supposed to stay in, or he's going to cut back, and the next thing you know, you're staring at the back of his jersey. Mike Duraco, ESPN's NFL Nation, joining me here on the Crowley Show. 
when Bortles has had his good stretches, what's been going on there? Why has he played better, and what has he been doing differently these last couple of games? Because he did have that hot streak uh, not too, too long ago. Yeah, I think he's better when they're allowing him a little bit more freedom to throw on first down. Um, and that loosens things up for um, the running game. And then that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with him. But I think the biggest thing with Bortles is, honestly, the receivers have helped him and hurt him all year long. You lose Allen Robinson in the opener, um, and that forced them to rely on a young guy, Keelan Cole, who drafted from Kentucky Wesleyan, who's had a really good year. But, you know, Allen Hearns goes down, and now you're relying on Cole and D.D. Westbrook, who missed nine games with a sports hernia, another rookie. Um, and, and Cole has had some issues with drops. He fumbled a couple of weeks ago. He's cut off a couple of routes short because he didn't want to get hit, and that resulted in interceptions. Um, so they've had some success when they've thrown the ball early. He's had his guys in there like Alan Hearns and Marquise Lee, guys he's really, really comfortable with. Um, and that's kind of loosened things up for him. And, and I do think that they're going to take some shots down the field this week. Uh, last week was a rather conservative game plan. I think they felt like, look, our defense is going to be able to hold this Buffalo offense pretty much in check. So all we really need to do is just not screw this thing up and score a couple of touchdowns and we'll be okay. But I don't think that's going to be their approach this week with the Steelers. They're going to have to put up some points. So I expect him to throw it around a lot more. And, uh, you know, Marquise Lee is healthy. You know, missed two games. He was back last week but didn't look himself. So, you know, they're as healthy right now offensively as they've been all year. So that's a good sign for him. Jag's run game looks like it slowed down a little of late. You wrote about it uh, for ESPN. What's the deal there? They've dropped an average of about 40 yards per game. Yeah, it's it's a combination. The offensive line has not done a really good job of creating a lot of space. And Leonard Fournette has missed some holes, uh, quite frankly. He has not been as effective as he had been earlier in the year. And, you know, they're facing stacked boxes. That's just the, the – everybody knows the Jags want to run the football. And they're facing stacked boxes. They have more carries against eight or more men in the box than any other team in the NFL – Leonard has more carries against eight-plus men in the box than any other back in the NFL. So that's not anything new. It's just they're not as effective at making uh, some space for him, you know, to get free. And it's hard when, you know, you're getting contact, you know, at the line of scrimmage or shortly right after, you don't have a chance to really shake anything free and get a burst into the second level. So, you know, Bortles has helped that. Last week, certainly with some scrambles and a couple of read options, so I think that might be something you'll see a little bit more this week as well to kind of loosen things up. But I do think if they can have some success early downs throwing the ball, then that will help, I guess, loosen things up for uh, Fournette, which you know they desperately would love to get him over 100 yards uh, on Sunday because I feel like if they, they can do that, then they feel like they're in really good shape in terms of being able to win that game. Roethlisberger said he wants to play Jacksonville again because he doesn't want them to think of him as the guy who threw the five interceptions. He doesn't want fans to think of him as that guy. He doesn't want to think of himself as that guy. Mike Mitchell just told Sports Illustrated yesterday that he's looking forward to playing New England. How do the Jaguars feel about all that? I would imagine that they're using that as fuel. 
Well, you know, some of the guys were talking about uh, what Roethlisberger said, A.J. Boyer, the corner, Aaron Colvin, the nickelback, who will obviously get a lot of work this week. And their thing is, well, that's great. We understand why he's saying that, because he didn't play well the last time. But the flip side of that is that gives us another crack at him, and you've got to be careful what you wish for. Now, as far as Mike Mitchell talking about the Patriots, I asked several guys that and uh, today in the locker room, and they was like, that's fine, that's okay. You know, they, they've, they're kind of at that level where, you know, they're, you know, expected to be a team that plays in the AFC championship game. And, you know, that's fine. We're just worrying about them and we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, try and look ahead out of this game. You know, one guy, one player is like, well, maybe if they're looking ahead, that's good for us. So I don't, I didn't sense any people were upset about that at all. The four or five guys that I asked. Um, you know, I, and I don't really think this team's in a position, to be honest with you, to be upset about that uh, based on the way they played the last three weeks. Mike Duraco, ESPN's NFL Nation, covers the Jags there with us here. Last couple of things for him. Here's the cliched culture change question, but since Coughlin came in, Doug Marone's brought in, how are things different uh, from the way that they've been the last couple of years? Well... I have to do this every show that I go on that are unfamiliar with this because because it sounds really ridiculous, but winning is emphasized now. And <laughs> the background of that is under Coach Gus Bradley, it was more about the process. Uh, his thing was like, if you're at your best and he's at his best and this guy's at his best and we can all be at our best on the same day, then the wins will come. So it was more about the process of being your best than actually um, emphasizing winning. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't want to win games, obviously, but that's just the way he looked at it. Now, Doug Merle and Tom Coughlin comes in, and it's just like, yeah, winning. Win, 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 win. It's all about the winning, and nothing else matters. Um, so that was a huge thing. A little bit more discipline, a little bit more accountability as well, um, and a, a physical, mentally and exhausting uh, physical training camp that uh, really kind of got these guys, you know, focused, um, especially once they started to see some results because they were not happy at the end of camp at how their bodies felt and how grueling it was. But once it started paying off with some wins, then they were like, okay, I guess I kind of get it, and we appreciate all that extra work that he put us through. And, uh, you know, that's been the biggest difference. There's just more accountability, more toughness, more grit about this team than there has been the last several years. Last thing here for you. What's the expectation level down there outside of the building? What are Jags fans expecting? Uh, do they think that this is a year that they should go to the Super Bowl, or are they kind of happy with house money at this point? What are they thinking? Um, You know, I, I get the feeling that they're pretty confident fans-wise about this game because they went up, the Jags went up there and won that sure. game earlier in October. So I, I think the expectation is that they're going to be in the AFC title game. Now, And I'll say this, this defense is good enough to get to the Super Bowl. It's just what are they going to get out of the offense? And that's the bottom line. If they get some really good play out of Bortles in the offense, then they got just as good a chance as anybody else. Because this is a defense that's one of the best defenses of the last you know, 15, 20 years. But fans, <laughs> fans are optimistic because i think at this point they're figuring hey we got this far might as well get the rest of the way right no kidding uh mike really appreciate the time man thank you so much and we'll see you up here at pittsburgh on sunday 
Yeah, save some sun for me, would you? Yeah, apparently we're getting sun tomorrow, and then it'll all be gone by the time you arrive. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. See you guys. That's Mike DiRocco coming up next. My attempt to be cool that fell short, and I think the Steelers are cooler than the Jags. I'll explain Crowley's show. Pittsburgh. This team is unfreaking believable, man. I've never been around a team like these Pittsburgh Steelers. They're really freaking good. And they're really freaking interesting. And they do really dumb things and say really dumb things. You think I'm still talking about Mike Mitchell? I'm not. We got some breaking news here on the Crowley Show. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN writes that Le'Veon Bell says he'd consider sitting out or retiring if he gets franchise tagged again. Now... He's never going to retire because of that. I don't buy that for a second. It's not happening. He's too much of a competitor. I understand the health concerns about playing in the National Football League, but he's not going to retire. Not before getting an opportunity to make what would be $14.5 million next year on a franchise tag or going out on the open market and getting God knows how much money. But the distraction here isn't about whether or not the Steelers tag him. The distraction here isn't about whether or not he retires. It's about him bringing this up right now. Man, Todd Haley last week gets his pelvis destroyed. And now Le'Veon Bell says he'd consider sitting out or retiring if tagged again. This is unbelievable. That scares me every time, Joe. The broken beer bottle. Every single time, it scares me. I think I've knocked something off the desk and broken it. There are people driving on the parkway right now thinking that they just have to pull over because they ran over or something. This team is beautiful. They really are. If this team wins a championship, this might go down as the most legendary Steelers team ever. Maybe the most legendary team in Pittsburgh sports. Now, there have been a lot of them. But the way that this team has gone about it to me makes it that much better. If the Steelers win the Super Bowl, despite the anthem controversy, despite Antonio Brown's antics, despite Martavis Bryant going on Instagram, despite Juju Smith-Schuster getting suspended, despite Marcus Gilbert getting suspended, despite... James Harrison leaving and going to New England in the locker room, freaking out about that. Despite all that, it would be the most miraculous and most legendary season in Steelers history and maybe in Pittsburgh sports history. Steelers fans, what do you think about that? 412-922-2874. You a little pissed that Le'Veon's being selfish here? Are you mad that Le'Veon Bell says he'd consider sitting out or retiring if tagged again. God, I really like doing the morning show. I like doing 10 to noon. It was a shorter show. I'd get done. Then you start planning for the next day's show. How are we going to slap things up? But the afternoon drive show is great because there's so much breaking news, and this year, it all seems to be around these Pittsburgh Steelers. What team would you rather talk about? Are you pissed at Le'Veon Bell? Because I understand where he's coming from. He's trying to get a little bit of leverage. He's trying to 
feel valued. But this is not the time to try to go for the leverage. This is not the time to try to feel valued. You know what he should do? He should say, hey, Steelers, you're planning on giving me the ball 40 times against Jacksonville? I'm going to sit out because i got to make my money next year. I'm kidding. He shouldn't do that. If I'm a Steelers fan, I'm pissed that he brings this up right now. It's the Thursday before a playoff game, and Le'Veon Bell's talking about retiring if he's franchise tag? He's talking about sitting out if he's franchise tag? (laughs) It's hilarious! It's the funniest thing that I can remember in sports. This team. (laughs) Last, what was it, Monday or Tuesday, we're sitting here, and I'm thinking... What are we going to talk about? Steelers are off this week, and Todd Haley breaks his pelvis. Then you come in here today, and I'm thinking, well, Mike Mitchell had something interesting to say. Something we can run with. Something that I like, a little confidence. And then he automatically gets jumped by Le'Veon Bell's insanity. I got the quotes here. I might as well give it some context because I got yelled at today by Mike Mitchell for not putting it in proper context. He says, quote, I hope it doesn't come to that, but I would definitely consider it. Just get the numbers straight, exactly where we want them. I'm not going to settle for anything. I know what I do, and I know what I bring to the table. I'm not going out here getting the ball 400 times if I'm not getting what I feel I'm valued at. Value me. It will eventually come down to me playing on the tag or not. They tag me again. It'll be it'll be me saying, okay, do I want to play on the tag or do I not want to play on the tag? That's what it comes down to. If I was a free agent and they let me go be a free agent, then yeah, I'm going to explore free agency, test the market. I've made a lot of money. I'm happy where I'm at. I've got a good family. I don't really need to play football. Right now, I'm just kind of doing it because I love it. Now, I've done everything but own a Super Bowl. I don't necessarily care about the money part of it. I just want to be valued where I'm at. If I am playing this game, I want to set the standards. Oh, this is laughable. I want to set the standards for all the other running backs behind me, like Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, guys like that. I'm a guy that they can kind of look at. I feel like I can do that. I'm in a position where I can do that, and I'm going to do it. We need, like, a BS sounder on this show. Like, if there's ever any, like, Bull bleep. We need something. We need a noise. Maybe like a... (laughs) Because two things here. Here's bull bleep number one. He ain't retiring. Here's... (laughs) Number two. Wow. Quick on Joe there. I love how we had those sounders there. I love how they were right there in easily accessible form. This place, man. This show. We have fun. I'll tell you. Khakis. It's bull bleep, man. (laughs) The retiring thing is bull bleep. And the setting the market for other running backs because he wants to do it for them. That is also. Now, he he might want to do it so that he can be remembered as the guy who set the standard. 
He might do it because he wants the Ezekiel Elliott's of the world to bow down to him. He might do it selfishly. I like Le'Veon. He's a good dude. But he's not doing it so he can help them. Give me a break. Lamont is mad because I said this is the most legendary team. Is that correct, Lamont? No, I'm not mad. I would just debate that. See, Adam, um, 40 years ago, the Steeler championship team, um, the two um, that they won early in the 70s, the uh, two uh, with the hiatus and, and may have had their best team, and then the last two of 78 and 79. So we didn't have what you guys have now in terms of uh, the media and the technology and the scrutiny. Sure. Some of these guys and, and that I've met, uh, they were characters. Oh, they were characters. We just didn't know all of their antics. Also, steroids were illegal then. <laughs> um, so when I say legendary, they were tremendous, and they fought through some of the same things that uh, these Steelers are fighting through. Actual bar fights, fighting each other, uh, incidents of shooting uh uh, Police helicopter. You know what? You're yeah, right about yeah, right. you're right about that, Lamont. I got a little prisoner of the moment there, but wouldn't this team winning the Super Bowl just spit in the face of anybody who's ever said distractions matter? Oh, oh yes, uh, it, it would. Uh, I, I I listened to a sports commentator. I go down the list of distractions, and he was appalled. But we're thirteen and three. Be appalled. <laughs> right. I'll take being appalled at 13 and 3 than being a team that does everything right and goes 6 and 10. 412-922-2874. This is the dream season, baby. I was going to start singing there, and then I decided against it. That'd be ridiculous. They'd be stupid. Le'Veon Bell. He wants to sit out or retire if tagged again. Bro. Uh, it's bull. Bleep, man. <laughs> Between February 20th and March 6th is when this can go down. The franchise tagging. I I wonder I wonder why this comes up that way. And because of the response to the Mike Mitchell blog that I wrote earlier. I think people are going to say, oh, Fowler asked the question. Jeremy Fowler was asking him about it. He didn't bring it up on his own. Get a better PR coach then, Le'Veon. This isn't something you bring up now. And I'm pro player more than anybody else. There's nobody in this town that's more pro player than I am. I'm guaranteeing that right now. I believe in the individual. I believe people need to look out for themselves. And if they don't look out for themselves, they're going to get effed. That's what I believe in. But this is looking out for yourself before you have to. You can be the teammate now and look out for yourself in a month. Hell, if the Steelers play in the Super Bowl, that's on the 4th. There's going to be 16 days between then and when the Steelers can place the franchise tag. Make this comment then. It's going to make more waves now, I suppose, but... You think the Roonies pay attention to that? You think you're going to win a battle with the Roonies and with Kevin Colbert by putting this out there? If anything, Le'Veon, they're laughing right now. We're going to tag you. <laughs> You'll be here in 2018. See you. Up next, I'm a corny son of a gun, man. I am such a loser, and we've got audio to prove it. 
It's the Crowley Show. Uh, khakis? <laughs>